welcome to Industrial Marketing Live. My name is Peyton. I am a strategist here at Gorilla76, the industrial marketing agency, and I am one of your IML hosts. I want to say a special thank you to everyone that's joining us here live this morning, uh, especially the Gorilla gang. So Gorillas, if you can all give a little wave so folks can see uh, where you're at. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about something that Google has made it absolutely impossible to ignore. And uh, that is Google Analytics 4. Our guide is none other than performance marketer Patrick Cronin. Patrick, you're quickly approaching one year with Gorilla. And in that time, um, I know like you've gone from not being in Google Analytics 4 at all to being uh, our, our expert in it and uh, creating tons of dreamy analyses that I like to use in my client meetings. So thanks for all the work that you've done and learning that you've done so far. And yeah, thanks for joining us on the IML stage. I hear you've got some slides for us today too. <laughs> so extra special. Uh, for sure. Definitely a pleasure to be here. But like Peyton said, I'm like mostly a lot of people on this chat who may have used universal analytics and was just terrified of that GA4 guy that kept tapping on your shoulder. And then I just clicked a lot of buttons, watched a lot of YouTube videos, played around with a lot. And now there isn't much I don't know how to do yet, but Google keeps adding new features because GA4 technically was still in beta until recently. But like Peyton said, I do have some quick slides to go over and I appreciate everyone who like filled out some of those responses. It did kind of help paint the picture of what you guys need the most help with because GA4 is so widespread and in depth and only some of it's really important for us. So let yeah, me... so I'll let you share those slides. And I think like really the first question and you'll probably answer this too is, you know, how is Google Analytics 4 different and really why should we care? at all. <laughs> For sure. So we're going to go through the slides really quickly, just go over some basics, new additions, a walkthrough of GA4. So that's going to be actually sharing the uh, Gorilla76 GA4 account, going through some of the reports, but also fielding questions from you guys. So um, one thing that came up in some of the responses, and this is something that kind of surprises me, even with like big agencies, is they're kind of avoidant of GA4, not because they don't know how to use it, but like some of you said, like there's so much to investigate in platform. Why pay attention to Google Analytics? The answer, especially for the B2B space, is it only takes a couple seconds for someone to click on your ad, like an impression, boom, like the copy go to your site. But there's so much that happens between clicking to your site and converting and becoming a lead. None of us have people that convert to a lead within an instant on the page. And most certainly a lot of them not even on the first website. So we're going to paint the customer journey in two ways here in a bit. Um, so these are some of my opinions, but also, also factual information, in my opinion. You can't ignore Google Analytics if you're just paying attention to like clicks on the platform or conversion. It's kind of like reading the first half of a book the epilogue, and then just guessing what's happening in the last 200 pages or so. It's going to be very difficult for you to gauge what's actually happened or how you even got there and what's driving those conversions. Another big issue is like your ads could be driving a ton of web traffic. You know, you're seeing tons of clicks, tons of sessions, really cheap cost per click, high click through rate on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Google. But if they're not staying on the site long and not doing anything, it really isn't generating a lot for your business. Um, so why analytics? The last one's a big why. Recently, we did an analysis of 
what metrics have the highest correlation to conversions from paid search specifically. We're going to be doing with paid social as well, but essentially what metrics from GA4 or the platform Google ads have the highest correlation to conversion and conversion rate. So basically making it calculate convert or correlation, the metrics that were the highest by a wide margin actually came from Google analytics, not from Google ads. So metrics like your engagement rate, time spent on page, how long people are scrolling on your pages have a much bigger relation to getting conversions, which is how we all get money in the end. So here's how I look at it on Google ads. So you have your buying journey uh, and this could look different between lots of different companies, becomes a lead, opportunity quoted, negotiation sold. Your business might have a couple extra, a couple less in there. But there's also an ad journey that gets them to that becoming a lead. So you have your initial impression, your first website visit, retargeting ads till the end of time till they finally convert, finally reads your landing page and submits a lead form. And if you notice, three of those five boxes in the ad journey don't happen on the platform. And if anything, they're spending much more physical time on your site not on the ad platform. So it's not something you want to be ignoring because ultimately, if you're not doing well on these five down here, you're never even going to get them to that becomes a lead phase. So that's the why on Google Analytics. What's new? Um, one thing that can ease everyone's mind here is it's very, very similar to Universal Analytics. Think of it less as a new software, more of a makeover. Most of the same metrics, reports, and information from Universal Analytics are in GA4 with a couple other added options. Couple less also. Um, for example, in Universal Analytics, I didn't even know this because I haven't used it in a while, but you could find users' IP addresses. I don't think that's necessary for advertising anyway. Um, in Universal, they would classify different hits or events as page views, events, e-commerce events like a purchase. In GA4, everything is an event. I think they did this to align more with the ad platforms. For example, you set up events and conversions on Facebook, LinkedIn, et cetera, and it's all just labeled a conversion on the platform. Um, if your company has app data, you can actually install GA4 on that and track that. Not sure if a lot of people have that. That might be more for direct-to-consumer. But one thing that I do think is really cool that GA4 added, if you have like different branches or like two different sides of your business, you can create multiple what they call data streams, aka different websites or assets, and put them within the same property. So if you want to analyze your website presence and engagement performance as a whole, you can do that, or you can separate it out, or you can even pick specific ones. Like if you have multiple different websites for different regions and you want to look at west and northeast or something like that lots of different options there um but other than that a lot of the same metrics just different names engagement rate for example isn't the exact same as bounce rate but it is kind of the inverse of it uh calculated slightly differently in my opinion it's a little bit more helpful as well and that's a metric we'll be going over once we go into the uh, platform. But I've been talking a while. Are there any questions, Peyton? <laughs> yeah, uh, folks are curious. Just um, Salim had a question about if you have any experience with any of the alternatives beyond Google Analytics, like um, 
if you've had any time to explore options outside of Google Analytics softwares. I haven't yet. I know there's other options like Adobe, and I have a couple friends at other agencies that use that a lot. Google Analytics is free. I know Adobe just uses like a different API than Google. Um, one thing I'd say that's a positive using Google Analytics is because Google owns so many different other softwares like Google Ads, Search Console, Search Ads 360. Um, if you have e-commerce, it's way it's super easy to connect that to Google Analytics. So then it becomes like an overarching hub to analyze everything essentially. And then another question I'm just going to pull in just for some context to the folks listening um, in the chat. Ashley asks, you know, what everyone is using for their CMS platform, and if folks are using HubSpot or HubSpot Analytics. It looks like, just to give a little bit of a pulse here, lots of WordPress, lots of HubSpot, Craft and HubSpot, um, Webflow HubSpot, um, GHL, I'm seeing, WordPress and Pipedrive. So, and then lots of love for HubSpot. <laughs> but, uh, okay, cool. All right. Awesome. Well, what we were planning to do on this call, um, a little bit more of a, a screen share heavy episode, um, but we wanted to take you through and, you know, we're not going to show you how to set up Google Analytics 4. At this point, um, you probably have it anyway, because Google has forced everyone over to it. Um, but we do want to show you um, a little bit of the Gorilla GA4 account and some different ways that we've set that up um, here just to give a little bit more context to what you can do inside the platform and different settings that you might want to keep in mind for yourself. Yeah, for sure. And um, we are going to be dropping a few GA4 kind of walkthrough blogs. One is getting set up for success. Second one is just the basic reports and all the metrics. And then the third one is going over some advanced stuff you can do to add your Google Analytics and go with you more in depth. So that's going to be coming out within the next week or so, um, including there's some links like how to get set up and stuff. If you're on one of the platforms like WordPress, HubSpot, et cetera, there's always super easy plugins um, just to paste the measurement ID. But yeah, so let's go over the Gorilla 76 or GA4 property. So there's so, there's so many reports within Google Analytics, but there are some that are more useful than others for marketers. Personally, my favorite to use would be the acquisition reports. So sessions and user acquisition, they're the exact same reports, but one is based on individual people, one's based on sessions. So one thing I go over in my piece to analyze like advertising data for one i'm big on visualization and just making it simple for when you're going over data so if you want to like make it easy for yourself just filter this to only show your paid social data or paid search apply and then so one thing i think people miss the boat on is they just look at one breakdown at once so that still gives you some useful information. If you want to look at the whole channel as like a whole, engage sessions. Um, for anyone who doesn't know what an engage session is specifically, it lasts at least 10 seconds. They convert. So submit a lead if you have other conversions set up. 
um, or scroll past a certain point. Basically, it's like, did that session actually mean something? Because if you have a hundred or so sessions here, but they don't do anything, then you're probably looking at potentially an audience or a landing page issue. So average engagement time is different than session duration. So I mentioned some of the metric, metrics got a makeover. Essentially, that's how long are they actually engaging with the page. So why that's useful is on universal analytics, average session duration. If Peyton clicked an ad and then kept your window open for like an hour, and then she's like doing online shopping or something on the side and just leaves the window open, that session just got logged for about an hour. Here, it's like, okay, how long did that person actually engage with my site after clicking through to the ad there? So I mentioned doing one breakdown, by all means, it's definitely helpful. But one thing I always like to do is use multiple breakdowns at once. So you might be running Facebook, LinkedIn, Google Ads, et cetera. In my opinion, if you're not comparing mobile to desktop performance, you're really shooting yourself in the foot because you could see, say, an engagement rate of 55% on Facebook. But if you break it down, and again, this is just an example, not what we're seeing here with Gorilla, it could be 20% on Facebook, but 90% on desktop. So what does that tell you exactly? It means that your landing page might not look so pretty on mobile. Like if you design it on your desktop, your designer or your agency might have done a really good job. But then on mobile, it's scrunched together text, the image doesn't come out clearly, or I mean, think about when you're on Facebook, you're like on the go. If a landing page looks like it's going to take you 20 minutes to read, you're out of there pretty quickly. So if you're only looking at one breakdown at a time, you're not letting yourself look into all of like the nitty gritty and being able to optimize your advertising to your best ability. These can also be source. So that's just what platform if you're doing LinkedIn or Facebook. These numbers are pretty big for our clients. Like Gorilla, we have this, some paid ads, but this is how I'd be looking at it for a client as well. Um, any questions, Peyton, from anyone? Folks have questions about uh, the landing pages, if they should be using like native landing pages, if that's the best practice. Um, when it comes to tracking this inside of Google Analytics, Patrick, would you say that the native landing pages give you more insight here in this platform? Or would using something like HubSpot um, still give you similar data inside Google Analytics? Do you mean if like you make a landing page specifically for your ads, like a lot of people do basically? Yeah. So if it's on the same domain, all of that information will still show up. And that, that actually ties into something like I mentioned earlier, where you can have multiple websites, domains under one property. So some clients we have and there's probably some people in here who they have like a separate domain for landing pages you can still put that within your google analytics by creating a separate data stream for that domain but I, i've confirmed that with google analytics when i was kind of starting my little journey here as long as it says as long as the landing page even if it's created you know by a hubspot if it's the same url you should still be getting all of that data within google analytics um and a lot of this does come from utms as well keep in mind okay probably the reports we're looking at here um just because there's 
some reports that look into stuff like really niche and specific. And if you're running multiple different platforms and campaigns that are useful, like the conversions path report, we can take a look at in a second. But here, if you are like using UTMs, um, a lot of the metrics have kind of a description that highlights it. And what I like about that is like some people don't automatically get what engaged sessions or engagement rate is and it just gives you what the calculation is and stuff but most if i could only have one report like if someone was like patrick i'm taking away all of your analytics reports except one i'd probably choose the session acquisition one because i can get user metrics here if i want to um, and i like breaking it down by specific session but you can get anything from how many people how many sessions. So if you're running retargeting campaigns, that's pretty helpful. Um, how many of those sessions are people engaging? How long are they staying on the page? Conversions, um, have those set up in GA4. And then revenue if you're running e-commerce. Um, but I mentioned events earlier. So like I said, every conversion or something someone does on a site is labeled as an event in GA4. Um, again, I think that's just a better line. Like it's an ad platform almost, but here you can just pick any events and then have it broken down again by platform or source so for example this scroll depth event we have set up we can see 28 times someone scrolled down about halfway through the landing page so if you have an ad that is like a lot of content like a case study this is something you want to be really paying attention to um that's the metric that had the highest correlation to conversion rate and conversions is actually them scrolling on the landing page there but my best advice like Peyton said is when I started at Gorilla like I was rookie like whatever the lowest belt in martial arts is that was me in GA4 it's not like Facebook or Google where if you poke around you have a risk of you know adjusting the budget or messing up an ad because in here it's not an ad platform so my best advice click buttons read up you can't mess anything up in here it's just a reporting platform. So the more you poke around in it, I'm a big advocate for like, I can watch 10 YouTube videos, but until I do it and apply it myself, I don't learn it. So diving in and clicking buttons would be my best advice. I know GA4 is kind of scary at first, but I love it now. <laughs> we have a question about clicking buttons here. Um, so we had a question about how you can filter to see only paid social. Can mm -hmm. you just talk a little bit more about like the filters and um you know, how, how you can use those in the different reports. Yeah. So one of the, it's not like a black and white difference, but I do think GA4 is more customizable for each report than universal was. So customized report, um, this is mentioned in one of the blogs we have. So not only can you add a filter, like, let's say I wanted to only do mobile traffic, and the same would be uh, just do channel and then select Facebook or something. Um, but we want to do mobile only traffic um, and have that be applied. But then there's also other metrics I might want to add. So I don't need total revenue. So again, to do that, you add your filter, click metrics, add metric, and then... It still actually has some universal metrics in GA4, kind of like a nostalgia effect there. But 
you can add your filter. You can add metrics that aren't automatically already in the report. You can add different dimensions here for your first dropdown if they're actually available. So if you wanted to do age and then gender for added demographics and then see uh, performance between different age groups. Like if you have an audience that you feel like maybe the audience you want to be targeting for decision makers is older, you might want to look at this breakdown and see, okay, are people of older age groups using desktop more? And is all of the younger age group sessions coming from mobile or something like that? So now we just save changes to the current report. And there is your bounce rate and average session duration. So this is what I was also hitting on is 17 seconds for average session duration and then six seconds for engagement time. So that's why I think some of these metrics that GA4 has added is more helpful because that average session duration might be skewed up or skewed much higher because Peyton was shopping for shoes while after she clicked a Facebook ad and she didn't actually care for your landing page. The engagement time tells you if people are actually staying engaged with your content on the page more. Yeah, so most of them are going to be the ones that were first on here. So users, sessions, engaged sessions, all of the basic, if it has engaged in front of it, GA4 has it probably set up, but there's also new users. Um, for example, if you're running cold and retargeting campaigns, you might want to see, okay, how many new users are my Facebook campaigns generating here? Uh, and then return users, sometimes you have to manually calculate that, but it's also added. The two events that, or event types, I guess would be a better way to put it, that I added for Gorilla, and also another one that you should be setting up, um, I would recommend adding to all your properties, is your if you have lead form submissions. So if you have like a thank you page that fires, make sure that's added to your GA4 property, the earlier, the better. Um, and then you can kind of gauge where you can use all this information like, okay, are the higher engagement rate pages driving more conversions? So the ones I added, um, GA4 is a lot more, I'd say it encourages you to use Google Tag Manager more than Universal Analytics, just based on how conversions fire. And it has a basic GA4 configuration tag. So one thing you're able to do through Google Tag Manager is set up scroll depth or session duration events. So for example, we all have landing pages for a lot of our ads or lead forms and stuff with a case study or telling us, telling the user why we're fantastic and you should buy from us. If your landing page is at say the 90th percentile of that page and 80% of your users are dropping off at 75%, what that tells you is the content you have on the page is not getting them essentially to the end zone to convert. So this is included in one of the blogs, how to set up scroll depth. So essentially what this is telling everyone is these are how many times someone landed on this page and scrolled down three-fourths of it. So GA4 has a basic scroll metric set up. I wanted to see thresholds so that way when we can see organic, for example, I saw some of you mentioned um, help with SEO and stuff. Organically, how are we doing? Like, is the content we're, we have on the site lining up well with the terms that we're ranking for? Well, one way to tell that is, are they actually reading the content? If this was, say, 50 
and then your sessions over here are 481, that'd be a huge issue. But if, I mean, right here, 315 out of 480 people are scrolling through three quarters of the page when they find us organically, that's really, really good. So this is really important when you pair it with in-platform metrics inside like LinkedIn or Facebook, because you can start to diagnose where the rub might be with your campaign. If your click-through rate is really high, but then folks are getting to your landing page and, and bouncing off, they're not reading beyond that top 25%, you start to see, okay, my ads are performing well, but the landing page that they're getting on is not um, delivering what they're expecting, the expected experience that they wanted when they clicked through that ad. So that that's where you don't want to sleep on a, net, a tool like Google Analytics um, and GA4, because I, I think I speak for a lot of us it's in the past where Google Analytics was just kind of like a given. And you're just like, oh, it just monitors traffic. But when you set up these extra events um, and you set up those extra triggers to fire on scroll depth or um, you know the channel they're coming from, you are just giving yourself the opportunity to pick up a lot more insight and, and give yourself more direction on what you actually need to fix and change to make your ads perform just that much better. Sorry, Peyton, I wanted to yeah. note here too, like a lot of these things that Patrick is showing, um, you know, the, the insights are extremely valuable, but it can seem maybe a little bit overwhelming or like daunting to set this up, the custom things. Um, don't be afraid. Like Patrick wrote, it's written blogs about how to set this up that you can reference, you know, on our gorilla site. But a lot of the stuff Patrick and I learn just by Googling, right? Like, don't be afraid to Google how to set up scroll depth on GA4. And like Patrick said, you're not going to break something, right? Like if there's something you want to track, you can figure out how to do it on your own. Um, so I just wanted to add that, like it's super accessible. And uh, Patrick, I know you spend a lot of time on support chats with uh, all different kinds of uh, ad platforms and, and different networks. Uh, can you talk just a little bit about your experience? Like if you had a question on on how to do something with uh, Google Analytics, like what would you do to get connected with the, the support team here and kind of talk with them about that? So for them, uh, help button and then... There's a contact us button behind here. I've noticed the support team on Google, I'll just be transparent, is kind of less accessible since they went through layoffs. Um, personally, even when I talk to Google support, if I wanted to figure out how to do something, I got more help from finding an article with a walkthrough about it. Um, just because there's so many different content creators or big agencies or publications that will just openly walk you through how to do some of these stuff. One of my favorites that I got a lot of knowledge from, and they have a great um, Google Analytics for course. His name's like Loves Data, got like a really, really thick British accent, but he's very, very helpful um, and walks you through like with screen shares and everything on how to do it. And li like I said, like it shows you exactly how to do it. And even if you mess it up, you can't quote unquote, break something because this isn't a coding platform and you're not spending money here. So you can't, you know, hit uh, apply a recommendation like you do in Google ads and accidentally up your Google ad budget by 
40% or something. So we have had some questions around, um, you know, just making sure that those different channels that we see right here on the screen, the, the default channel groups, organic search direct, organic social, paid social, email, referral, unassigned, organic video, et cetera. Um, are those set up automatically? And uh, folks are just wanting to make sure that paid social is tracking um, through their Google Analytics. And I think that kind of ties into a couple other questions we've had about UTMs. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll stop there. So the answer to that is most of these are, but the paid content is not. So like in a UTM, part of it is channel. Putting that as paid social is what makes HubSpot and Google Analytics for recognize it's from paid social, it's from Facebook, and here's the campaign name. But organic search, direct, and all that, like that's not UTM. It just knows basically when someone searches, for example, did they just type in industrial marketing agency and find Gorilla76? Or did they type gorilla76.com and then get to the site that way? Or did they click through an email we sent out, stuff like that? But the paid media stuff does come from your UTM parameters, yes. We had a question from Salim. If uh, you know the answer to this, Patrick, if there's any advice that you have on UTM strategies or if anything changed with how GA4 handles UTM links? I don't believe there is a change between Universal and GA4 within the UTM space. I know GA4 actually has a space where you can create tracking URLs. Um, I know a lot of people use HubSpot. I don't think it makes much of a difference. It's just Google offering another tool for us to generate them. In terms of UTM strategy, if you want to be able to analyze specific campaigns or, for example, landing pages, you want to know it came from paid social. You want to know it came from Facebook, obviously. But one thing that I think is really helpful is making sure campaign names, like if you want to, if you want to focus on landing page performance in each you know, set of ads or campaign you run, has a specific landing page, then name it based on that page. So you can look at this and see, okay, that's from, you know, this campaign. So I know that landing page has a really good engagement rate. So for example, that is where session campaign comes from. So the organic direct and referral isn't going to have campaigns, but you can see paid social, we named the campaign manufacturing leaders. And then here's all of the metrics on that one. And also one thing to remember is what platform you're looking at. Like if you have an 80% engagement rate on your Google ads and a 40% engagement rate on your Facebook ads, and it's the same landing page, a 40% engagement rate on Facebook is not bad by any means. If anything, it's actually pretty good. It's just Facebook is more of a volume play. So knowing certain benchmarks too is really helpful. Like you don't want to see, oh, my engagement rate on Google is way higher than Facebook. That's the way it's supposed to be. Um, so LinkedIn, you want to be like probably between your Facebook and Google ads, but just to be aware of like different platforms are going to have different kind of benchmarks for uh, landing page metrics and stuff. So um, 
Chris Carolyn asked a really great question here, and uh, I'll read it. Uh, which of these metrics do you see leadership teams being interested in? Any of them? Has GA4 changed anything that will now have to be explained at the leadership level? Um, just to jump in there first, and then I'd love to hear the gorillas if you've got some feedback. But uh, one metric that I guarantee you will be explaining next year is traffic. Um, so the way that I've used Google Analytics Universal in the past is really for organic traffic reports and things like that. That's where it's been the most um, insightful for me. And the way that we're tracking um, or the way that Google is now tracking users and sessions, it, it depends on how you're logged into your device. But if you have a Google account and you are on your, you're logged in on your computer and you're logged in on your phone, um, you're now going to just count on as one new user, not um, two new users where you might have counted in the past because it, it's linking you through your Google account. Um, so seeing as how many people use Google and how many people have Gmail accounts that they're probably logged in on, on their browser, uh, your overall traffic, um, as far as the number of users you have on your site, is going to be lower this year than what you've seen in years past. And that's not necessarily signaling that you have less um, new people on your site. It's just signaling that the tracking is maybe a little bit more accurate because it's linking those accounts um, across devices. So that's one thing. Um, and that's how I would explain it <laughs> as far as um, the, the change there and why we should not be concerned with a little bit of a dip in that organic traffic. Are there any other metrics um, you see here or things that are changing that leadership teams would be especially interested in? Patrick or Aaron, Kevin? If your leadership team is like website traffic, obviously is one of the drivers for leads pipeline and what leadership ultimately wants, which is money in everyone's pocket. I think you have to make sure that the traffic you're getting is actually engaging with the website. Like I would rather have 700 website visits over a month with a 75% engagement rate than a thousand website visits in a month with like a 40% engagement, which seems really like simple. Like, yes, you want more people engaging with the site, but I think a lot of marketers like just look at sessions. But if you're just looking at sessions and not seeing if like those sessions are generating engagement, time on page, you're kind of ignoring that you might have a landing page or audience issue. Like one thing we've talked about with landing pages and stuff across multiple different episodes is that message match. Your cost per click, your click rate and everything can look incredible. And you can go to your boss and say, I drove 2000 website sessions. But if your engagement rate and time on page isn't very good, you're not you can only hold on to that for so long before you eventually realize you're not generating any leads from that platform. So making sure that the traffic you're driving is high quality and like intentful traffic. So showing them average engagement time and engagement rate, I think would be something if you can just explain to them what the user is doing in that sense, I think that will really open their eyes up to the value you're driving. Yeah. And like what story can you tell yourself from the metrics from the data right like you may not necessarily want to show them specifically the platform or the metrics but you can 
craft a story about what is happening um, on your site with what you find here. Um, and I think all of the things that Patrick is outlining, like the engagement rate, scroll depth, time on page, I mean, that's that's the beginning pieces of building that story of people got to the site this way and this happened. We had another question, speaking of engagement rate and like um, understanding how folks are interacting with your site. Jen asked, um, how can you check engagement rate besides the time on page? Are there different metrics that we should be keeping a tab on? Uh, the two engagement rate is somewhat of a blanket because like I said, how that's calculated is if the user can do one of three things, like scroll pretty far, convert, like submit a lead form, or the session lasts a certain amount of time, that's an engaged session. So there's multiple ways they can kind of achieve that for you. I would pay attention most to engagement rate and time on page. Like for example, if you have a really short landing page that's just concise and has a form, you might not need them to stay on the page that long to convert. Um, but if you have like a very long landing page, like let's pretend one of these landing pages has like a lot of content on it, it's going to take them a couple minutes to read. So if you can show them, hey, on average, they are staying on this page over a minute long. Or this is one reason I liked doing the session threshold one is I know how many sessions are lasting past a certain amount of time. So if someone just has a super, super long session, it doesn't uh, kind of skew the average up or avoids that. So now you can see, okay, we had 254 sessions on our careers page process and pricing over the last 28 days. And that's out of 218 users. So the content on this page here is engaging. It has really meaningful content. So this is another report I like looking at a lot. If you didn't see how I got to here, it'd be engagement and then pages and screens. And you can break this down by specific URL. Uh, so page path and screen class or title and name just makes it easier if you know like what the titles on your uh, certain pages are. Okay, we had a question um, earlier about losing data in the transition from Google Analytics, uh, the universal analytics to GA4. Um, that's something that we've been discussing inside of Gorilla as well. Google said they're not deleting the data at this point, but um, you can only trust that so far at some point um, they might remove data. Um, so we've been discussing what is the best thing to download from your, your universal analytics. Um, if you're not familiar with how to get from GA4 back to universal analytics, uh, it would just be right up there in that all accounts where it says Gorilla 76, Patrick, if you can click there and then the, the drop down you would then just be able to tag back to that UA property and jump right back in there. So if like you're not able to access that, I would maybe start a support conversation with uh, Google and just make sure like they, they shouldn't have deleted um, your data yet, according to what they're saying. But um, that's how you would be able to toggle between the GA4 and the UA property. So I just wanted to show that really quickly. Um, can also show you a little bit of what we downloaded if folks are interested in that, um, of what we decided to save from our client accounts. 
Yeah. Okay. Patrick, do you mind if I take over the share? I guess. <laughs> and folks, if you've got uh, last minute questions, uh, feel free to drop them in the chat and we'll we'll try to get to those just as soon as we can. Okay, so um, I'm currently in the universal analytics, so the UA with our code here, and I'm in our space. So when I started to think about what data is actually going to be useful to me, I didn't think that I wanted to have just a, an Excel workbook full of metrics and numbers. Um, I also didn't know if I needed all-time data necessarily. Uh, I was more so interested in just the um, couple of uh, recent years, so maybe 2018 to 2019, 2019 to 2020, um, thinking about like the bookends around the pandemic when we might have had more fluctuation than others, um, and thinking about what would actually be insightful to look at afterwards. So the way that I um, looked at this was I came into audience, the different tags here, went to overview. And then um, I set up our date parameters. So say I wanted to have um, 2020 to end of 2020. And we'll move this to December 31st. You could do this on fiscal year if you wanted to. January 1st. And uh, hit apply. And then you could even compare this to uh, the previous year. So if I wanted to compare this to, you know, I could change this date so it's exact. January 1, 2019 to December 31st, 2019, hit apply. And now I have, um, I can even change this to a monthly uh, view. So instead of having like all those little pings of daily, um, that might not be quite as useful as more monthly. Maybe you want to look at by the week, just kind of depends on um, what is what you think is best for your company and your data. Um, but then once I get to here and I'm on this overview page and I have this set up, I'm looking down at demographics and systems, like what information here would be the most interesting for me to know, depending on Again, your company, you might be interested in city, you might be interested in country. Um, so we'll say country is the most interesting to Gorilla. So we want to know um, those countries. And now I've kind of set up my overview page here. And you can just export this as a PDF. You can also export it as a Google Sheet or Excel, CSV. But I really think that this high-level report, looking at this, these, this year over year, and then maybe doing the same for comparing 2022 to 2021 is uh, the most interesting. So I would do that for audience. And then I would toggle down, do that for acquisition, do that for behavior, conversions. And depending on how many goals you have set up, you might want to go in and pull specific goal data. But again, I'm looking at just like visuals because the visual report is going to actually help you tell the story. I think some folks mentioned in the chat, they don't typically pull up Google Analytics in a leadership call. Um, and so you think about what information you want to tell leadership. Uh, it's really going to be more of like this high level stuff anyway. Um, so that's what I would be saving from your Universal Analytics account going forward. All right. 
there are questions in the chat that I should be looking at <laughs> before we wrap up here. I would imagine that uh, Brendan, uh, Brendan's on a, on site at a client visit today, but uh, he's going to be uh, pulling Patrick back in to talk a little bit more about GA4 again. Uh, he does have, there is a manufacturing marketer episode where uh, Patrick and Brendan already discussed GA4 once before. So um, yeah, I uh, would definitely advise checking in with that. Um, and if you do have questions in between now and uh, maybe diving into some different uh, content on GA4, like Love's Data, um, you're always welcome to ask them in the IML Slack channel. Um, we've got that going. If you're interested in joining that, just post in the chat here and we will get you invited. Patrick's in there. Um, so are a lot of people who are on this call right now and uh, we can all kind of like workshop things together there. So you are welcome to join us in Slack. And um, our next IML, uh, we're going to be talking about social proof marketing. So uh, getting out of the tech a little bit and back into more of the content, uh, we want to talk about from you know customer interview to conversion, how can you translate those insights into content that actually drives results? And we're going to walk through a couple of examples of what we've what we've seen from um, you know those little nuggets of gold that a customer might share with you in a conversation and how you could transform that into ad copy that introduces you to even more customers. Um, but with that, we're wrapping up for today. So thanks so much for joining. And if, uh, like I said, if you want to join us in Slack, just let us know. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. Bye.